Welcome to the Inspiring Tech Leaders podcast with me, Dave Roberts. This week, I'm exploring the topic of cybersecurity. Cyber hacks have increased dramatically during the last year, have now become a regular boardroom agenda item for discussion. It is therefore critical that all CXOs understand the risks associated with IT security breaches and the enormous impact it can have for an organization. I'm delighted to be joined by Rowan Troy, who is a senior cybersecurity consultant with Little Fish and also the sponsor for this podcast episode. It's great to be talking to you today, Rowan. Thank you very much for having me. Brilliant. So um, Little Fish is predominantly known for providing managed IT services, but there's also a really strong capability to provide cybersecurity services. So can you tell me a little bit more about the organization and the role that you play? Certainly, yep. Little Fish, is, as you you know, probably has been around for around about 10 years now since its uh, new ownership takeover in 2010. Um, we're operating out of Sheffield and Nof- uh, Nottingham. We've got about 450 staff in total at the moment, around about that. And it was very clear to the business you know, a number of years ago now that the uh, cyber market was obviously booming. It was growing. A lot of their customers were asking, can you do this? Can you do that, et cetera? And so the business took the opportunity there to invest off the back of the success of the managed service provider piece to uh, essentially engage the cyber market and build out a cyber operation. So I joined at the beginning of this year, beginning of 2021, and so far we've had some really good successful wins in the uh, in the cyber market, and we essentially have more than doubled the number of customers we've had this year, which is obviously telling of the fact that you know cyber is becoming a very very fast growing industry. It's changing all the time. There's so much going on. From my own experience, I ran a managed service provider company back in 2004 onwards. And I was there for 13 years, uh, and that's where I got my sort of tech background from. And then I, our company was acquired, and then decided that you know I'm going to make the switch to pure cyber. I've been doing lots of bits and pieces around you know cyber for, for my customers, you know with seams and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but then I decided that in 2017 I was going to make that pure switch. So um, that's that's where I come from. And then ever since then I've been in the cyber space for for that length of time. Fantastic. So not all businesses can afford to have full-time security experts on staff, though. But they also, we can't ignore the cyber threats that continue to emerge at such a rapid rate, as, as you said. So how can Little Fish help with these types of organisations? How can they help support them? It's an interesting one because I think if you look at the market today, you look at the people uh, in cyber, there's this... I guess there's this image of cyber people being complete nerds, geeks, hoodies on sort of thing, but I don't think that really applies to everyone. Uh, And it certainly doesn't apply at the CISO level, I don't think. So, you know, we recognize as an organization that, as you say, not everyone can afford a CISO. Um, Does everyone need a CISO? Not entirely sure. Do they need an information security officer maybe? No, but, you know, what we do is organizations that we work with, is we establish what's the need, what's the driver for having someone of that nature in the business. Uh, And then we provide that for our virtual CISO service. So our virtual chief information security officer service, that's its title, but it's actually a little bit more of a blend. And this is what we like to find as as our unique selling point, I guess, is that we've got those CISO-esque experienced individuals that can come into an organization. They can really uh, establish what's it look like today, what's the state of play, which is always key. And then we can work out a roadmap of over a 12-month period. And that organization has access to that VC. So for a set number of days every month throughout the year, 
and they don't have all those FTE running costs. If you look at the CISO salary range, it can go from anything from you know, ninety thousand pounds a year to beyond scary money, <laughs> as I like to call it. But it's very, very uh, expensive to have some of that nature. Uh, so what we do is we provide a pool of those people, and generally there's a one-to-one relationship. We, we know we like to try and keep our VCs those one-to-one with our customers, but sometimes you know that can't happen due to holidays, etc. So we've got a pool of people. We make sure those pool of people know about the organisations, the work we've been doing, and and the roadmaps that we've built. But also we can draw on an, a, on a pool of talent, not just that VC, so that very high level sort of strategy architectural type piece. We can actually draw on cyber engineering as well. And we've found quite a number of times we've gone into an organization, we'll do the assessment piece, we'll do that high level holistic overview. And then there's this need for, you know, maybe a technical resource or someone slightly more technical, someone more engineering of site in, in cyber. So maybe they've got a, a platform they want to deploy or they've got a platform that's already deployed, it's not working right. They need to change that or fix that or modify that in some way. And so what we do is we use those VCSO days and we have a blended rate for that and we bring in that cyber talent. So we've got that technical person there that can take maybe one or two days a month instead of that VCSO person who's very much that holistic person, but maybe doesn't have that real deep technical understanding. So that's the, the flexibility of our VCSO service, which, which, you know, which really appeals to a lot of people because they see VCSO and they think, oh, well, that's going to be my, you know, my governance, risk and compliance kind of person, the GRC type person. Oh, actually, I really need that. And we was like, well, let's let's sub that person out. Let's put them on the bench and we'll bring on a fresh pair of legs. And do the virtual CISOs, they, they work hand in hand with the on-site teams as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we tend to find that if there's, if there's an on-site IT presence, if there's an on-site uh, information security presence, then yeah, absolutely. We work with hand in hand. We will always try to engage with all those stakeholders because it's very key that the relationship is, is transparent and it's open. And, you know, we are trying to be that impartial voice for people. We're trying to get people to realise these are the gaps. And, and maybe it can be difficult because people in an organisation don't want to be seen as, or oh, they haven't done this or they haven't done that. We're not here to point fingers. We're here just to highlight those gaps and work with these people to make sure they understand how to fill those gaps. And whether that's with technology, whether that's with process, whether that's with people, it's, it doesn't matter to us. Um, it's just important that we work together uh, harmoniously. Well, I think that's great that you've, you've got resources there that can help both operate at the sort of C-level or director level within an organisation, yep. but also then get down to the grassroots and work with the on-site resources to, to help defend against these cyber threats, really. so Yeah, exactly that. that. Yeah. Exactly that. Excellent. Excellent. So I know Little Fish have also developed something called the Critical Hour Framework as a cyber response. So can you tell me more about this and yeah, how, how do we have this in place to ensure that we've got well-rehearsed cyber responses? Yeah, so the key... I'd say with any sort of cyber response is to have a plan. We need plans. I think if you talk to anyone in the cyber industry, they love a good plan. Uh, I love a good plan. And, and I think that the, the point of that is, is to make sure there is a clear line of communication for one, but also a clear line of responsibility because some organizations that I've been to, there's, there's no real determined responsibility. People don't really know what they're responsible for. And that's all the way down from the top level all the way down to your end user and what's their responsibility in, in the plan. So what Little Fish developed was the critical hour framework. And this was a 
playbook approach to incident response. So when an incident is detected, we have a playbook for that type of incident that says, okay, this has happened. This is now who needs to respond, who needs to act. And this is the chain all the way down to essentially resolution or isolation, shall we say. So the idea is, is after detection, the CHF, the critical hour framework will kick in and we've detected that incident and we'll work through that process. And it's a well-rehearsed piece of work. We, we sit down with the customer. We will establish who's going to be responsible for what, how much reach Little Fish will have in an organization to be able to take action. Because some organizations we work with, they like to do it all. And we're, we're there just to be that alert and response type piece and to, to make them aware. Other organizations want us to deep dive in and they want us to take action, You know, maybe disable an account, maybe block a particular bad IP or bad website. So it's really dependent on what the customer wants. And we're quite flexible with that. There's no, there's no hard feelings if we're not allowed to you know, jump in. But most of the time we find that us being able to respond immediately is obviously going to be the faster option than trying to pick up a phone or send an email address. So having that well rehearsed, those thought out processes into a playbooks, we will then be able to ensure that we act as, as quickly as we can and the customer is aware essentially of what actions need to be taken by them what actions we'll take, and then hopefully we'll get to a point where we isolate and then we can remediate. That's exactly what I discussed recently on one of the podcasts, really, and talking about having those well-rehearsed playbooks in place for people to understand where the roles and responsibilities are and having perhaps like a racy matrix in place so people know you know, what what their responsibilities are should there be something like a ransomware attack occur or something like that. So yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's that's where it is for us, and that's why we we developed the CHF. You know, our our uh, aim is always to you know, to complete that isolation piece to the point where we can start to remediate within the first hour. That's the critical hour. That's where it comes from. It's that first hour to prevent anything further from happening. It's been detected. We, we need to stop the spread. We need to stop this activity. And as far as I know, touching some wood, uh, we've never missed that hour so far. So we know it works well. And we, we understand that customers have got different approaches, different things. They use platforms differently. So that's the important bit is that we make sure it's it's tailored and it's unique. Plan for the worst, I guess. Is, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if organizations need to deploy something more advanced and advanced protection for their organizations, yeah, what else can they do to provide those sort of ongoing cyber defences? So, uh, again, traditionally, we've got lots of different tools out there uh, and there's lots of different products and they'll all say they're the greatest things since sliced bread. And, and it's, some of them are very, very good. But what we find is that, you know, you do still need that human element and that human element needs to be able to interpret information and data as quickly as possible. So, We've developed our CSOC service over the last few years, and it's a 24 by 7 monitoring service that allows us to really get the log data, but not just the log data, it's the user data, it's the behavioral data into a central location where we can establish a framework and, and essentially a foundation of activity for that organization. And then we can start to alert against those anomalies. So I know a lot of people perhaps listen to the podcast We'll know, we'll have heard of the term CSOC, would have heard of the term SOC, would have heard of SIEM platforms, et cetera. And, and yeah, there's lots of them out there. And there's lots of people that do this out there. We're not alone in this weird field. But the key bit for us is that making sure that you've got that human element that can interpret those logs. Because if you think of the devices you've got on your network today, uh, even just in your home, 
probably generating hundreds of logs a minute. And so having a human try and go through those logs, impossible, not enough time in the day, not enough hours in the life to do that. And we know from a compliance point of view that there is always a, a element of, do you review your logs and how often do you review them? Certainly with things like 27,001, that is a key element in there about reviewing logs. So having something like a CSOC service is is key. And I think that's the bit where you need those people to keep your eyes on essentially the network and the activity going on whilst the business is doing what it does best, which is whatever the business is doing, whether it's selling product, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's a retail, that's their part. You know, that's what they play in 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 their space. But what they don't really have is that expertise of being able to decipher those logs, decipher those events, look at the user behavior, see what they're doing. You know, and with our approach, we use a public cloud solution. It's, it's, it's not on-premise, so we can actually take those logs directly or we can, we can put sensors into organizations to take those logs centrally. And we've got a single pane of glass at our end where we can see all of our customers. And we develop that service continuously. It's constantly developed. As we know, cyber doesn't stop. The threats keep changing every day, every week. And we, we have to keep up with those latest threats with that research. And we put all of that research across all customers. It's not just dedicated to one. But we've also got a uh, what we call an essential service, which I think is probably our, one of our key points, is that we believe there are uh, there is definitely space for smaller businesses to have CSOC operations, and it can be an expensive outlay uh, for most organizations, but we've developed a, an essential service that we feel covers sort of five key areas that can give real insight into what's happening in, in the business. And those five key areas are across things like Azure AD and Active Directory, Office 365, the primary firewalls, the endpoint solutions, and the VPN solutions. You know, those are all going to be core services for an organization's business to run every day. And that's where most of the activity is going to occur. The most of those logs are going to come from those, those five key elements. So we feel that the essential service is something that's very commercially affordable for a smaller organization, but also gives them that protection and that ongoing, shall we say, uh, proactive view of what's going on in their, in their network today. Fantastic. That's really useful. So it's also very important to develop the, the long-term risk mitigation strategy to help ensure that you have appropriate cyber governance within an organization. So how is Littlefish helping to strengthen organizations' cyber vulnerability management? Well, I think in, in combination with our cyber assessment piece as well, and, and also from essentially from our, our ongoing works when we when we work with uh, as a VC so organizations you know, vulnerability management is one of those things that I, I think everyone knows they have to do it and and they know they have to be looking for the vulnerabilities scanning using tools uh, using pen testing so it, it's a well-known fact that those things need to be done but they can become pretty monotonous they can become very stale uh, and deploying patches and things is probably one of the biggest pains I think I had when I was a techie back in in, in the early uh, 2010s. So we know it's not exciting. It's not the most fun piece of work to be doing. But we again we use a, a use a cloud approach. Uh, we've got cloud-based agents that allow us to directly install agents to network devices, to servers, to workstations, etc. And we can run scans as frequently as anyone feels it necessary. Generally, we do one a month but we can do it more frequently than that. And we provide all the reporting at the back end of that. But we've also, we've partnered with a, a very 
interesting and cool company called Planet Pentest to kind of bring a different approach to vulnerability management and using their platform, it gives us a much better idea of the risk. And so what Planet Pentest is doing for us is giving us a, a, a unique view of the world when we do a, a vulnerability management piece with a customer. But also we can draw in penetration testing results as well that the customer may have may have done with us or may have done with, with another third party. And then it, it brings all of that information into one central pane of glass, which then allows us to say, okay, what are the risks? We know vulnerability scanners are going to say, well, this, you know, this vulnerability scores on the CVSS as a, as a 10, but does it actually mean much to the business if their risk appetite isn't aligned to that CVSS scoring? Maybe it's aligned to you know, business operations, say. So I think we'd, what we're trying to do is get away from just using the, uh, the common vulnerability scoring system as a way to say, right, this vulnerability is a 10, we must go fix it. That vulnerability may not be exploitable, for example, but there may be one that's slightly less higher scoring. So maybe down at maybe a seven or an eight. And actually that's very easily exploitable. So it's making sure that we can actually get the right vulnerabilities to the top of the tree, fix those, base that on our risk appetite and our risk management process, and then focus on the ones lower down. Now, generally speaking, most CVSS vulnerabilities that score a 10 probably are going to be a bit of a problem, but I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to make it clear that it's not just based on, on whatever the score, the tool or you know, the CVSS de- determines that vulnerability. It's actually based on the risk to the organization. So we take a very risk-based approach to, to vulnerability management. Absolutely. I think that sounds like a very sensible and pragmatic approach to it, really. So, so how should we be educating our staff to recognize the threats of cyber attacks and, and for them to understand more about phishing and lots of other socially engineered attack methods as well? Well, this is one of the hottest topics, I think, in our space. There's always this adage of people are the weakest link. I don't think people are the weakest link. I, I've moved away from that over the years. I think there is a, an element of people having the uh, the ability to essentially take an organization out by opening an email or opening an attachment that they thought was genuine. But also, I think there's an element of the security training. There is, there is the awareness and the training that needs to be addressed. And if the awareness and the training is no good, then yeah, sure, the people are going to be the weakest link. There's no denying that. But it's down to the organization to make sure that the awareness and training is effective make sure it's actually making a difference but also make sure it's relevant i think we see so many organizations just push out you know a training module or they might get someone in to do that that training in person and it will be the same stuff it will be gdpr it will be data protection it will be passwords it will be clear desk clear screen type piece which is all very important don't get me wrong i'm not saying it's that's not important but it can become really stale and it can come really sort of, oof, I do I have to go and sit through this training again every year? So what we've decided to do is, is partner with CoFence and we provide intelligence-driven training. And what that means is that instead of just pushing out training modules because they are the core, core concept subjects, we're trying to establish an intelligence-driven model. So with CoFence, we run phishing simulations with our customers we see what the results come back as, how many people interacted with that email, how many people interacted with the attachment, et cetera. And then we look at saying, well, how many are clicking links and how many are opening attachments? How many people are actually getting rid of the email? And we're looking at that data. And then what we're doing is feeding that intelligence into the learning management system, which then brings up the appropriate modules to say, right, actually, 40% of the organization opened the email. 
So maybe we need to have a training module, recommends a training module based on what to do with emails that look suspicious. And then if people are interacting with attachments, there's an email, you know, there's a training module about attachments. If it's things like MFA, and this is the classic one that I've been talking about for a long time now, is that people in, implement multi-factor authentication and they think, yes, my organization is now safe. People are going to have to press a button on their phone or they're going to have to type in a text code. And unfortunately, it doesn't always work out like that because what happens is you'll get high-level individual that maybe not tech-savvy, he's got MFA installed on his phone, he goes on holiday, and he's getting prompted by the phone to log in and he just, they just get annoyed. So they, all they do is they just press yes. <laughs> and there's no training. If they haven't had any training on how MFA works, they've just let that person in. And I've seen it a number of times this year where people have just sort of singing, oh, is that me? Oh, yeah, I'm just going to press yes. Even though they're sat on a, on a barge somewhere or in a, in a hotel somewhere and they're not logging into their computer, they're just pressing yes because they want to get rid of the annoying alert. They just want to you know, mm. get rid. So it's really, uh, it's key that that training and to be aware of the socially engineering, the socially engineered attacks. And I, I know a number of social engineers through my contacts with LinkedIn and people I've met in, in, in the real world, and they're very clever. They are trying their, you know, their, their hardest to get into places. So we need to make sure that the training around physical security is just as important as the logical stuff. And so, again, you know, one of these things you can do is you can gamify it. And that's, you know, that's the cool approach, to, I think, to, to learning, because it can be a bit more fun than just sitting in front of module after module after module, passing the, 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 the exam at the end or the little quiz at the end. If you can gamify it, it makes it more interesting and people will engage with it. And I've seen organizations do things like offer Amazon vouchers for the you know, top scorers and, and things like that. So I think it's, it's key that an organization really engages with the training program, incentivizes it, but also make sure it's relevant. Make sure it's relevant to how your organization works. I really like the idea of gamifying it. I think that's a that's a really good bit, bit of advice there. So that's one I'll, I'll, I'll look more closely at. So yeah. for, for organizations that want to demonstrate to their customers and potential new clients that they have a really good IT security posture, and, and we see this requirement coming up in bid questions and proposals for organizations to be Cyber Essentials Plus or ISO 27001 certified, yeah, how can Little Fish help organizations on this road to compliance? So we've got a number of ways, and I think it's as I touched on in the VCSO space that as we engage with on the VCSO level, we'll always try to complete a, a cyber assessment at the beginning if one hasn't already been done by that by that organization from the from the get-go. So some organizations might go away and, and they'll do that with as a one-off piece, and then they'll come to us and say, look, we've had this cyber assessment, we really don't know where to go but we need to get to this level. So, you know, we might take that, that information from that report and then extrapolate that into a roadmap, or we might perform our own assessment. Just depends on what level of detail they went into. But the key thing for us around cyber assessments is it, it provides that state of play today. It gives that snapshot in time of this is where we are today and identifies those gaps. And then if people have got a target, like getting to Cyber Centuries Plus, maybe getting towards ISO 27001, or maybe they want to, to, to reach a sensible level with something like the CIS Top 18 or, or even the NIST CSF. We can work with the organization to create that roadmap of how they get there from the point they're at today, which maybe they're, they're, they're down in a if, you know, scale of 10, maybe they're at a four, and they need to get to a six or seven in order to get close to ISO 27001 and eight and nine getting up to the, the big NIST CSS or the NIST directive piece. 
the key thing there is is making sure that there's engagement from stakeholders. You know, need, leadership is needed. It's a, it's a core fundamental within 27,001, say, that leadership is needs to be on board and then needs to be driven by you know, senior stakeholders in the organisation. These frameworks and certifications, shall we say, don't work unless the leadership's involved. So from our perspective, we will conduct that assessment. We'll do that gap analysis. We'll then write a remediation plan that says, okay, you, at the moment, this is where you're at. This is where you need to be if you want to meet this particular requirement. And this is how you can get there. And then we'll work with the organization and say partners very well with our VC so service because we can provide that constant drive, that sort of almost nagging to say, come on, if you want to get there, this is what you need to do. But also we, we're not there to nag. We're there to try and help and, and, and bring in the right resource. And, and maybe that brings in a resource from our cyber team. Maybe that brings in a resource from the infrastructure team that now our professional services team, maybe there's a deployment that needs to be done. And that's the beauty of working with us is that we've got all of that expertise in, in those areas that we can just draw on and we can bring in and say, right, we've got an infrastructure person who knows, uh, you know, Linux, for example, or we've got infrastructure team that know essentially Mac endpoints, which keeps coming up all the time now because everyone wants a Mac because they're trendy. But it's being able to draw on that through that assessment piece and say, well, this is the gap you need to fill. This is how you can get there. Excellent. So if people want to find out more information about Little Fish, what should they do? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. As the cool kids say, you can slide into my DMs on LinkedIn. I see that often <laughs> often uh, on LinkedIn. People say slide into the DMs. It sounds very uh, odd, but yeah, cool kids say that. So you can absolutely reach me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to, to chat with anyone. You can visit our website, littlefish.co.uk. It's got all of our services on there and the cyber services has got its very own special dedicated area where you can look at the cyber services that we've been talking about this morning fantastic well it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today Rowan and just wanted thank to take you. the opportunity to, to thank you for you know sharing those fantastic insights and just generally your, your cyber security experience so thank you very much thanks very much for having me please remember to subscribe to the podcast Stay tuned for more inspiring tech leaders.